Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Killer ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager at our Queen Bee, and it's a Monday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I, I will wait till later for, for you guys to tell me how much y'all missed me. What, what's the deal with these jerseys? We have some jerseys here. Have y'all talked about this on the air? Well, they Frank the Tank uh, dug into his closet last week, evidently, and just... You know, like some of us have winter coats laying around. He had several signed jerseys laying around, and he thought, hey, brain fart, let's bring those into the station. They'd look great behind us when we're doing shows. So three, really really good idea. So did y'all talk about this on the air? No. Not much. I did Saturday. So there's there's 334s. during the bullpen. There's 334s, the Houston 34s, Earl Campbell, Hakeem Olajuwon, Nolan Ryan. And then to the left, the wall of shame. There's Michael Vick and OJ Simpson. So we took on Saturday on the bullpen from twelve to two. Uh, we took listener recommendations uh, for who we should add to the wall of shame. My goodness, uh, Aaron Hernandez, Ray Carruth was nominated. Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis. We decided we would put in the middle because we're not totally sure what side he belongs on. Well, I mean, could you you could say the same about OJ? Yeah, right. Well, OJ went to jail. If the glove doesn't, not, but not for that. Uh, Deshaun Watson was nominated oh. for the Wall of Shame. Oh, we got that covered down the hall, and it's signed <laughs> like the others. That's right. Yeah. So, like, I think that was the David Gow auction item purchased well before Deshaun had his indiscretion. Mm. Oh my good, Dante Stallworth. Dante Stallworth is a good one. That's a good one, man. What's the old boy for the Raiders? Which one? That was driving the car really Henry fast. Henry Ruggs. Ruggs. Yeah. Which one? That's a good point, too. Yeah, which one? I mean, if we did the Raiders wall, it might go around the whole building. My, I, I'm a little bothered that Mike Vick's above my left shoulder. <laughs> O.J. Simpson is, is left shoulder adjacent. I don't know if I love we had, this. We had a discussion off the air. Uh, Joe and I did, I think it was, Thursday. And I, we, the curiosity was, what's the most valuable jersey on that wall? Because some people thought it was, I thought it was Nolan. I'd probably go... Nolan or Akeem. See, we might be biased towards Houston, though. Yeah. It might be OJ. Nationally, that's what the discussion it, was, that it might be OJ. I think, I think Joe said it might be OJ. I think OJ. it might be OJ. I, I think I'm Team OJ. For which one is I the most valuable? I was going to say, how many times are you going to say that? If there's just, uh, what do you call that, a transcript, <laughs> Joe says, I think I might be Team OJ. OJ. If I was going to steal one, I would steal the OJ one. Would you? So if it becomes missing, look, I which know is kind of a full circle, because that isn't that why OJ Simpson went to prison was because he was like beef, like he was muscling up some guys yeah. that took care, yeah. like stole his memorabilia. That's yeah, correct. he stayed stolen in Vegas. Vegas. In Vegas. So that yeah. that jersey's asking for it to get stolen. Yeah, <laughs> should we be worried that OJ is going to show up and steal it? Uh, if it belongs to him, 
I'm not worried that he's going to show up and steal it. I'm worried that he's going to show up and rough us up a little bit. With a knife? Hopefully he doesn't have a glove. Because at that point, you, you got to quit, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we're off to a great start on a Monday. Um, good, bad, and ugly. It's how, we, it's how we react on a Monday after an Astros series. But you threw out a first pitch in Sugar Land. You look good. You look a little, little over the top. I was surprised with how over the top you were. You look like a reverse splits guy because you're coming so over the top. For this, real. This, you throw over the top. This you, is, you're I way up here. pitch and this is what we're getting? I mean, I don't know that I went yeah. that far. I think th- you're a reverse splits guy. Were you a reverse splits guy back you in were, college? You were pretty far. I have an eye. I the video was pretty far away. You, you're still over the top. I can tell your arm slot pretty good. I think the big thing for me was... Strikes? I saw what BK did. And were you what, before or after? After. Oh, okay. Because I saw the videos posted. You were before him. Okay. So I had assumed that you went ahead no. of him. Oh. So they determined all that. And then, you know, the first thing that they said was... You have the option. You can either throw it from the grass in front or you throw it from the mound. Yeah, and I was a little it, disappointed with you. The guys looked at, what are you talking about? I was disappointed that you threw it from the rubber. I, we talked about this. Yeah, and, and I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. Is If I'm going out there, I'm throwing it from the mound. So I went out there, and then BK, I don't know, he, he just decided he was going to do it too. And when they introduced him, Bad you could idea. see that he kind of <laughs> he kind of changed his whole gait and his stride when the, the introduction came out. And then when he started to wind it up, I thought, oh, no, this doesn't look great. Did he go to a little wind-up? No, he tr- kind of tried to, but then the <laughs> arm was way separated from the body. You know how you, you, know, you keep it kind of compact in here? And he kind of was way out, and I thought, oh, Lord. And then he just airmailed everything. And the funny thing was the three of us, Joe and I and Brad, were talking about it, and he was like, you want to go viral? And he goes, how would I go viral? And I said, it's easy. You either hit the mascot or you throw it towards the press box. And then we all just chuckled. And then I think that he actually lived it. I mean, he went out there and got a little tight. And just next thing you know, he airmails it, and the mascot's looking over his head, and the ball's sailing into the backstop. So, did you have reverse splits? I was, yeah, I could, th- yeah. I mean, we only had two lefties on our team, so even when I wasn't starting, I was in the pen to get guys out, and I could get right. I was proud of you. You threw a strike. I, yeah. I was, I was a little nervous though that whoever who was who were the Spacers playing that night. The isotopes, right? The isotopes. I was a little worried that whoever was pitching for the isotopes, because you ruined his magnificently manufactured and manscaped, I don't know what I'm talking about, uh, mound. I was a little worried that whoever was pitching for the isotopes was going to bean Jordan Alvarez. He was never going to join the Astros again this season. It was all going to be your fault. And the real I concern, was worried about that. And apparently the real concern should have been if BK was going to re-hurt Corey Lee's oblique. Yeah. Because Corey Lee really had to try and pop up, and he was going to try and catch it. And Y'all had Corey Lee catching? Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Y'all didn't have Cesar Salazar? No, it was awesome. Some, it was really cool. Third-string AAA yeah, guy? Yeah, Corey Lee. And he's wow. a really good dude. Joe and, and BK interviewed him on the wheelhouse, too. And then he <laughs> came out, and he, he said to me, he, he goes, you've done this. And I go, a long time ago, but I just wanted to make sure you didn't have to, to like, jump. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that other guy. Corey. <laughs> I went, yeah. And I go, hey, man. Just good luck. We'd love to see you on the big club, but come on the station sometime. We'd love to have you on our show. Corey, so he was cool. Corey told you that you, you've done it before? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. How many How many times do you think he tells people that? I don't know. I don't care. He told me, and that made me feel better. <laughs> I hope he told BK the same thing. No. <laughs> That's awesome. You've done this before, haven't you? You've done this before, BK. <laughs> All right, let's get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, because yours was good. It was very. Good. I was. I was proud of you. I was Thank a proud. You. I was a proud big brother. Whenever I saw you throw that <laughs> first pitch, I mean, I was. I, look, I'm gonna tell you something right now. I was relieved it was a strike too, because once you do get out there, it's different. And to your point, I wasn't trying to dig on the you know the rubber or do anything like that. I stepped Thank to the goodness. left of the pitching rubber, but still up there. And then I was, and, and I just looked. You know, at the distance and everything else to measure it out. And I was like, you know what? Just make sure it's in the zone and let's get out of here. 
And so that was the best way to do it. Good job. Good job. Uh, let's get to the good, bad, and the ugly from the uh, the Astros weekend. They were playing in uh, you know Oakland against the single A's. What did you uh, – you first off, the road trip. Before we get to the goods, the bads, and the uglies right. of the weekend, the Astros playing the road trip, coming off of the All-Star break, uh, a three-city tour. What did you think overall of the road trip for the, for the Houston Astros? I mean, to me, I was thinking about it again this morning. We were three – bounce back games from if they don't bounce back in the way that they did and, and some really late inning heroics from having a massive change in our conversation. I think that the orange Kool-Aid drinking Astros fans would have been ready to, to get on the ledge would have been panic stricken. When you think about the fact that they, they coughed up that game Saturday night in Anaheim, but then on national TV found a way for a late comeback and a heroic win. Then they dropped the first one in Colorado and you're like, what are we doing here? It's Colorado, and you should be capitalizing with a, with a, an opener. But then you bounce back, and you find a way to win that game. And then again this weekend, when you, you looked like your offense was anemic, it was terrible, it was brutal, you blew a game Saturday that I thought you should have won, and then you come from behind in the ninth inning with a home run after you blew a hit and run and found a way to win. If you start losing one or two of those games, I think it's a totally different Outlook from a fan base and from a lot of people, you know, just uh, even people covering the team going, wow, it, it might be a whole different story for where this team sits. Yeah, I like to look at um, a lot of times we prisoner of the moment things and a lot of people like quite frankly treat baseball like it's football like every every single game is the end of the world or the greatest thing and in baseball it's the true like old adage and cliche that you know like don't be a prisoner of the moment it's never as high as it seems it's never as low as it seems the Astros going on the road and playing nine games on the road uh, three games against the Angels two games against the Rockies four games against the A's you go six and three in that span, that's a productive road trip. I don't care who you're playing. If you win six of nine games all on the road in a three-city trip, that is a success. Now, five and four, we wouldn't be singing this tune. And I understand, you know, yesterday's game was close. You didn't lead in in that game until there were two outs in the ninth inning. Uh, there were some of the games that you mentioned along the way that were that were frustrating. Uh, Saturday's game against Oakland was frustrating. Losing sure. to the Rockies, frustrating. The, the lone loss that you had against the Angels, a winnable game, frustrating. But whenever you look at the nine-game stretch, all on the road, three different cities, and you win six of those nine games... That's a successful road trip. Oh, it was. I, I mean, look, I was overzealous in saying that I was greedy, and I and I wanted, you know, in, in the last two series, I wanted to come out of that series with only one loss, and it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. But at the same time, we know that the the better teams in baseball are the ones that go on the road. They win on the road consistently. It's been a staple of this team in the past. When they play well, they play really well on the road. And that's all you can ask for in a three-game series. Look, the Rangers have dropped multiple games to the A's this year. You know, for the most part, to have only one loss against the A's all season when you know that the Rangers have dropped multiples, when you've seen the other teams that have lost to the A's. And this was something the Astros used to do a lot. They used to play to the level of their competition and choke off a lot of games or series to teams that they were supposed to beat. This year, it seems to be they're doing a better job of it. So I, I was greedy going into the road trip and when we were talking about it, but I'll take what they did coming out of it. Yeah, I can understand the being wanting to be greedy. Like, I mean, why not? It's baseball. You want to be greedy. But if you look at it, hindsight, yes, there's frustrating moments along the way. You win six of nine games on the road. It's three-city trip. You're without Jordan. You're without Jose Altuve. 
the end of the day, it's fine. It's fine. It's not as good as it could have been, mm-hmm. but you take six of nine, it's good. And you got a little bit of help from the Dodgers. The Rangers finally lost after the All-Star break. So you're three back right now with the Rangers coming into town. I think it's you're, you're in an all right spot. 713-780-ESPN. What is your good, bad, and ugly? We haven't even got to ours yet. 713-780-3776. Ron Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. The good, the bad, the ugly from the Astro Series in Oakland. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Dude. I'd be most worried about seeing my seminal vesicles. I like the Florida State seminal vesicles. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Good, bad, ugly from the Astros weekend. 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. Great, King Tuck. Good, finding a way to win. Bad, Saturday's lineup. I think yesterday's was worse. Ugly, Maldi, Pena, and the bench. Blankers, why don't you lead us off here? What do you got? Because we're always positive on the Killer Bees. We always lead with positivity, the power of positivity. What do you have for the good for the Houston well, I mean, you start off with Kyle Tucker. I mean, it was unbelievable. Just a phenomenal road trip. I think he almost hit 500 for the road trip or something like that. I thought he, I saw something like he's like 440 on the road on the season. Yeah, it's stupid. And against lefties, he keeps lighting up lefties every time you turn around and look for something. When it mentions Kyle Tucker, it's a positive at the plate. He's probably going to hit six today. Now that Jordan's back, hopefully, Jordan's quite possibly. Back. We don't know if Jordan's back. He just was phenomenal, and he carried them. I mean, a three home run game, and the way he got the late extra or the late innings hit that that got two RBIs. I think it was on Friday night. He did everything and more that he could have done to basically carry this team offensively, so Kyle Tucker is where I have to start. Yeah, Kyle Tucker was unbelievable. Kyle Tucker, I think, would be on all of our goods, and this texture even had it as a great. We even have great as a category, and this texture went to great. Uh, Tucker was unbelievable. Alex Bregman was really good, too. Like Before yesterday, every single run that was driven in the series was Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker. That was going to be my good, but also my bad and ugly. The good was everybody. Good was Tucker and Bregman. The bad or yep. the ugly was everybody yeah. not named Tucker or Bregman. Like ten RBIs through three games between two guys is awesome. Yeah, but in theory, you should probably be winning those games by a lot more runs than you did, or winning all of them. Yep, because like you, they got zero production that mattered from anyone else in the lineup. But those guys were incredible. Kyle Tucker, man, ooh, he was on a heater. He was on a heater. He was uh, he was really really good. I saw Bregman's like OPS numbers. Robert Land tweeted this out this morning. He um, Bregman's OPS with runners, it's either runners on base or runners in scoring position. I can't remember which one is over one thousand. Really really good with no runners on. It's like in the six hundreds. It's bizarre. It's really really right? yeah. Wow. I, I, I think it's with runners on. It's with runners on. He has an OPS over a thousand with runners on. With nobody on base, it's like in the six hundreds. That just means he has to bat like fifth. He needs to be a cleanup. He needs to be clean up, I think. Yeah, it needs to be Tucker too. What's interesting though, see, I haven't even started to think about Jordan Alvarez back in this lineup and what the batting order looks like. Because I think the best three, four, five is Jordan Bregman Tucker, but I don't love the idea of Tucker batting fifth. I'm kind of yeah. You want him higher? I want him higher? Yeah, I, I, I think, can live and with I think it. That makes sense. I can live with it, but <laughs> I'm with you on that. Look, I, I, done are the days for me that we're even experimenting on. Pena being anywhere but at the bottom, and the way these, with the way Bregman and Tucker are hitting, 
if Jordan's coming back into the lineup, if you want to ease him back, you know, ease him back into the lineup by starting him at in, at cleanup, that's fine. But I just think that the top of your lineup is, you know, should be as stacked as possible. Dubon even said it himself. He had a bad road trip, a bad series where he was kind of trying to figure some stuff out, and he, he wasn't really comfortable uh, until the very last at bat of the trip, where he did what he had to do to to help them win a ball game, where he basically won the game. But overall, you got to believe Dubon's in the leadoff spot. I would go Bregman at two. I would put Tucker at three. I would put Jordan at four. And then, you know, Abreu's been hitting the ball very well, too. And, and quietly, even the outs are are well-hit well baseballs to where I'm feeling more and more confident about Abreu to where I really like the top half of this lineup again. Bregman, I kind of want him in the middle. Like, what, five? Four. I mean, I, I like him sandwiched between Jordan and Tucker, and I don't want to sit here and get in the batting order lineup discussion. No, but, that's what the wheelhouse but we, says since we, we Since yeah. we got here. Yeah. Let's try this on for size. Tucker, Altuve, Jordan, Bregman. Who says no? I said no. Well, see, mine was going to be Altuve, Tucker, Bregman, Jordan. So Bregman in the three-hole, Jordan four. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Like, any combination of that's okay. Yeah, as long as it's not Tucker fifth. I'm solid. See, I think Tucker will be fifth though. I think I Dusty will have. I think. I think he'll have him fifth. He's gonna. He's gonna put some random in the two hole. Dubon. Pena, Dubon, Dubon he's playing. Joel. So he's gonna put some random in the two hole. Well, It'll be Altuve, random. Well, yeah. Until until, until Altuve Altuve's comes back. back, and then I think to me that's where I'm just like, don't screw with it anymore. Just leave Altuve at the leadoff. Yeah. Just put him there and leave him there. Uh, another good for me would just been. You know, even though he it was four straight innings, I believe, with the leadoff runner getting on, a ton of double plays that got him out of it, Hunter Brown was much better. Like, it still wasn't what you hope it is all the time. Like, he was still pretty good yesterday. He, I thought he was good. I thought he was fine. Uh, he got like, out all of his jams. It's, the, the problem that I have was it was against the single A's. So, like, allowing all these leadoff runners to reach base was annoying. But you're right, he got out of them. Like, he was bases loaded, nobody out. He got gets a he gets a double play and a strikeout. Like he got out of it, but is he going to get out of it whenever the competition's a little bit better? Um, I thought the A's gifted that game to the Astros yesterday. To be completely honest, like the A's made so many mistakes, they had so many opportunities to win. It's why Dusty Baker was like slightly annoyed, even though that they won. Uh, but Hunter looked better. Like his stuff was good. He was pitching to a little bit of earlier contact. Like I, I thought he was fine. I, I have high expectations for Hunter Brown, I, and I think he's going to live up to those expectations at some point. Um, how about Christian Javier? Like I understand that Much Christian better. Javier ha- set a career high in walks. His command was not marvelous. It wasn't outstanding. In like the same vein that we're talking about Hunter Brown facing the single A's, this is the third consecutive start where I've been encouraged with Christian Javier. Even when he got lit up against the Rangers, there were some signs of that game where I was like, okay, that, that looks a little closer to Christian Javier. Two starts ago, it's like, okay, this is again starting to look closer to Christian Javier. And look, I still think he has a ways to go. The command obviously needs to be better. He can't be walking a career-high dudes in every single game that he's pitching. But he had the velo back, the fastball up was back, and he's getting swing and miss. When Christian Javier is getting swing and miss, that's when Javier is closer to Christian Javier. It's just very bizarre that you take a guy that really just kind of took the entire baseball world by storm a year ago and looked like he was you know, on top of the world with no signs of ever falling off. And now we're, we're actually taking baby steps, climbing a ladder to get him back where he was a year ago. But the good news is that he's taking those steps, and he's giving you a lot to be encouraged about. Yes, there's still room for improvement, but mm-hmm. when the velocity goes up, when the fastball swing and miss starts happening again, when he starts doing you know a lot of the things and having the tendencies that made him so successful, you start feeling a little easier that, hey, we're closer to him getting back there than we are to him having to sit down again because he's got a tired arm and he looks like not even the same pitcher. So extremely encouraging from that perspective. I see, like you said, I think he still has a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I think we agree on that. But 
promising steps. Like it's it's trending upward, which is like it's not plateauing, it's not trending downward, right. it's not getting worse and worse. You're seeing him start to take positive steps forward, and I, I take that as a really really good sign. Uh, you have any more goods? Any more goods? Any more goods? I mean, we covered the, oh, JP. JP France was yep. my last yep. good. Yep. Best road ERA in baseball. JP France wow. has the best, not for rookies, not for the best on the staff. JP France has the best road ERA in Major League Baseball. What to make of that? I have no clue. Still- other than he's a journeyman and he likes to be on the road again. But he's unbelievable away from Minute Maid Park. It's extremely encouraging, right? I mean, no matter what, how, how you choose to want to look at it, the bottom line is, what he's been able to do for this team, and I mentioned it last week, when you start talking about unsung heroes for keeping this team out of the absolute free-falling stages of a team that's that's just too injury-depleted, and the way guys have stepped up, you have to start with Dubon and him and Jolks as guys right off the top that you're going, and even Chaz, but you're going, without these guys, where would you be? And to have a stat like that for a guy that wasn't even an afterthought in your rotation to start the year or a guy that might even be scratching the surface to play on the on the Major League roster, this dude has been unbelievable, not just a breath of fresh air, in a lot of ways a savior on the pitching staff with all the injuries that you encountered. Do we think that J.P. France is a rotational starter for the duration of the club control that the Astros have him on? You mean for not just this year, for the next yeah, couple of years? Like he, the, he's got this year, he's got five more, because you get six years of the, the player whenever they, for, they they leave the minor leagues. The first six years of their career, you have them under club control. First three years, auto reserve, league minimum. Last three years, they get to arbitration. I, I, are, we, are we considering J.P. France considering a rotational word. piece on this team through the Astros' club control on him? I said considering is a better better way of looking at it. If I had to choose today and say for the rest of his contract with the Astros he's going to be a starter, I can't do that because it based, it's based on Garcia coming back and McCullers coming back. And if they make a trade before the deadline and get another starter there, then you don't want to not maximize your pitching staff to where if he's got good enough stuff to get guys out, they'll find a different way to utilize them. If you don't make a move and or these guys don't come back and be their old selves, now there's a good chance that – He's proven himself enough that he could be in the rotation and be more than a fifth starter. He could be a little higher than that. But definitely for the rest of this season, he's in your your rotation. For the playoffs, we talked about while Javier's figuring it out and Hunter Brown's figuring it out, you got a guy that's been pretty damn good that can help you get by those times when they're figuring it out. So I'd say yes for this year and probably next year. After that, I still think it's up in the air. I think he's a rotational piece. I, I've been I've been that impressed with JP France. And look, I've 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 known that JP France exists. I saw him pitch in college, but I didn't think that JP France, a twenty eight year old rookie, would have less than a three and a quarter ERA. And I, I don't think that JP France is going to have a three thirteen career ERA. I think he's probably like a three seventy five career ERA guy. I like him more than Jose Arquiti, and I know Jose Arquiti sure. has postseason wins. I know Jose Arquiti has World Series wins. I believe that JP France. See, this is going to sound like a hot take and hyperbole. I believe that J.P. France is a pillar piece in your rotation. Now, I don't think he's a top three starter, but I I look at J.P. France as a pillar piece in the back end of your rotation. I think he's a good number four. I think he's a really good number five. I think he's kind of in the same vein as as a Jose Arquiti, and he's cheap. Like you're, we're talking about trading for Michael Lorenzen, who has barely better than a four ERA. JP France is a sub four ERA guy, sub three and a quarter ERA guy this year. Do I think he's pitching a little better than you know what he actually is? Slightly, but JP France to me is is part of the Astros rotation 
until the Astros are done with J.P. France without the club control in five more years. He's, he's, he's impressed me. I've been really impressed with J.P. France. I'm in. I'm good with J.P. France, penciling him as my fifth starter for the next five years. Or what, like we, we always talk, too, about a six-man rotation. Like Especially if you're in a six-man rotation, he is part of a six-man rotation for the next five years and two months. Yeah, Absolutely. With, without a doubt, when you look at this rotation, you know it's, he, he almost could be the odd man out going the next year, but because you could, in theory, have seven guys. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like, he is part of the Astros' plan in the rotation for the foreseeable future, like, especially I, with how many guys have injury history. I'm counting on J.P. France to give me 140 to 150 innings of solid pitching. And Because we know the tr- the reality is, is that over the next four years or five years that J.P. France is here, he, Hunter Brown, Christian Javier, and probably, sadly, Fran Valdez will miss significant time yep. at some point over the next four years. And you have Lance McCullers, who, like, he's basically the Forrest Whitley myth at this point. Like, is he a real person again? So if J.P. France is here for the long haul, for sure. Like, if even if you go, let's here. say, six-man rotation, you have France and Arquiti as your 5'6", who are very, very cheap. That, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. That's yep. outstanding. And you can rely on them a little more than if you're looking at Blanco and Belak. You're looking at guys that, have, that have been seasoned and, and, and gotten enough experience to where you can trust them when they go on the mound. You know, I talked about last week how between Blanco and, and Belak, it, it's, it's literally like we used to talk about Fromber, and then we started playing the song and he straightened it out, where it's hit or miss. You don't know which one you're going to get start mm-hmm. to start, and that's uneasy for fans and everybody else that's around this team because you just never have confidence to trust them. With the other two guys that we're talking about, when you when they take the mound, you have total confidence. They got a legit chance to keep you in the game and pitch you know, a quality start to get yeah. you a win. Five, six innings from your number four, number five, number six starter, giving up two, three runs a game. That's outstanding. 8737 says uh, J.P. France or Lance McCullers next year. France is the Lance McCullers insurance. You never get Lance McCullers back? Oh, well, you got J.P. France. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. You're good, you're bad, you're ugly. Look, we, we can't ignore in victory what we wouldn't in defeat. Some of the bad, some of the ugly from the series as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Watch out for that foot bone. I would like to rear up and jackknife my legs and kick you both in the jaw with my foot bone. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Good, bad, ugly from the Astros weekend. You have some bads? You have some uglies here? Well, my bad right off the top is just the offense overall. The offense seems to me, and I know they still have injuries, but the offense against subpar teams and against subpar pitching was just not good enough. And when you're playing teams like the Rockies and the A's and you're struggling to score more than two or three runs a game and you find yourself down late in games and having to you know get heroic uh, performances and opportunities late in games just to salvage wins, with a team that has a lineup that's supposed to be far better than this, the lineup to me was extremely disappointing and bad this entire trip. With the exception of the Angel series, where they did, you know, both teams scored a lot of runs, but even then, it's like it, they all happen at the seventh inning or later where they should be capitalizing the entire game. Especially this weekend. Like, I yeah. completely agree with you. Like, it's been, uh, the offense hasn't been good. Mm-mm. Like, quite frankly, the offense overall this entire season for the Astros has been slightly better than average. 
part of that is because they've missed Jordan Alvarez for 40 games. Part of it's because Jose Altuve's went through four different injuries this year already. Like, you've, you've missed two of your better offensive players. Jordan is your best offensive player. Altuve's certainly top three, maybe second, although Kyle Tucker's been tremendous. Any team that's missing its two of its top three and its best offensive player is going to have struggles offensively. So that's the biggest reason why the Astros' offense has, I think many people would say, disappointed them. Like, injuries, you have to factor that in. I think you got to acquire a bat. Like I really do. Even okay. if it's a, even if it's a left-handed platoon option in left field, just to give you some options off the bench. Like we saw Bly Madrid way too much in the Oakland single A series. Part of that's probably because he's going to be sent down, and Dusty Baker loves to play guys right before they get sent down. But look, love Corey Jolks. Go Cougs. July's not been very kind to Corey Jolks. I looked at Corey Jolks' slugging percentage this month. It's under 300. His slugging percentage is under 300. Corey Jolks in the minor leagues was not a, you know, uber hot top prospect. He was, in fact, the Astros left him available and vulnerable to the 40 man, to the, uh, to the rule five draft. So anybody could have had Corey Jolks, but the Astros didn't think that highly of him. All of Major League Baseball hasn't thought highly of him. I think he's a big league player. Do you want Corey Jolks to be your everyday starter in left field when you're in the playoff series, when you're in an ALCS, when you're in a World Series? No, that's I was. I think it was Friday. I was saying that. I, I just said, look, for the rest of the regular season, if you did nothing, Corey Jolks would be just fine. But you, you know, this isn't like a team that's just happy to be there to get into the playoffs, and then whatever happens is icing on the cake. This is a team chasing another title. And when you're chasing a title, it's a very tough proposition to put a guy that's never been in the playoffs before. This is his first year in the major leagues. He hasn't been on the big stage with the bright lights and all the pressure that goes with it. And you'd like to have a more reliable, proven commodity in the outfield. It's nice to know that even if you didn't make any moves offensively, because now I just think it's it, it's imperative that they make a, a move for, for a pitcher. But I think that overall, when you look at what they could do, I still say that what we said is right. They, they should explore getting a bat. They should explore getting a relief pitcher. And they should prioritize getting a starting pitcher. But with all that said, it's because you're not trying to just get in and then have some fun. Yep. You're trying to, to handle your business and win another title. Like I don't think you... Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, you're on Alvarez's back. It's my prediction. News story. Stop you got a prediction? Doing and listen. A trade has been made. Neither. Oh, we're bad at this. During the break, we were discussing training camp and C.J. Stroud and can he practice without a contract. Better chance that I'm at training camp than C.J. Stroud. Wrong. Now he's signed. The Texans <laughs> and C.J. Stroud have agreed to terms on their four-year rookie contract. He gets $36 million overall. With a signing bonus of twenty three point three eight million, all fully guaranteed. Yeah, he gets his first entire signing bonus up front, a first for Houston per Ian Rappaport. That's the thing right there. Like the the why rookies hold out is because of the timing of when they're going to get their signing bonus. We we knew that CJ Stroud was he has like the, the draft picks have slot salary, so you know what his salary is going to be. You know that they're going to give him the full signing bonus, but it, the why players hold out, and there was a lot of hot takes. I think it was the Battle Red blog that was like, oh, C.J. Stroud, David Mulligetta, this is bad news. The reasons that, that rookies hold out is because they want to get as much of their signing bonus up front. And he, Joe said it. He said 100% of the signing bonus will be up front for C.J. Stroud instead of spread out over like the next four months, the next five months. So this was something that you know that they had to negotiate. I think it's great because C.J. Stroud, if he didn't have this contract done, 
He wouldn't have been able to participate in training camp starting on Wednesday, which I want to see him at training camp starting on Wednesday. And look, the Texans take care of a rookie. They 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 give they make sure that C.J. Stroud gets 100% of the signing bonus up front. It keeps C.J. Stroud happy. It well, keeps David Mulligetta happy. And you were going to pay this money regardless, no so it doesn't really matter. And here's the other thing. It goes back to how Mark Cuban used to do this, too. You, you know, you can't do the little – you fudge the system wherever you can to try and look like the organization that's got your back. So you give it to him all up front. That way, if he invests it or he's got all the money to play with, there's a chance he can make more money on it. And there's more that he could do with it by having it up front instead of waiting for it. It's just little things, but you knew he was going to get the deal done, and you knew what it was going to be. You knew the parameters of the deal anyway. It's just good that he won't miss any camp time. Largo said, did CJ spell his name correctly on his contract? That's not nice, Largo. You can't say stuff like that. Are you saying that, are you saying, is is Largo saying that CJ Stroud is low S2E? Low S2E. Is that what he's saying? Is Largo claiming that CJ Stroud is low S2E? Yes. I wouldn't know. I don't know who that is. Um, when is he named starting quarterback? I don't think they're going to do it right away. I don't think so either. What a mistake. I, I, I don't right, think it should be that big right of away. a deal. I think he'll, as long as he's getting the reps uh, with the ones, it'll be fine. I mean, honestly, I, you know, everybody's different. But you know how management types and general managers don't want to let you feel too comfortable too soon. And they want you to work hard and not, you know, relax a little bit knowing you got the starting gig wrapped up. So I'm sure they'll wait a little bit. I just don't think he'll get the reps if he's not named, which means it's it's Gardner Minshew, Trevor Lawrence all over again. I think they're going to rotate snaps with the ones. I yeah. think Davis Mills and Stroud are going to take turns with so the ones. We're going to waste still valuable that Case training camp in that conversation. Nah, he's just he's just an old guard. Like he's just your, you know, your old reliable your cowboy. Policy. What's that? He's just your insurance. No, policy. he's your coach. He's well, a coach on the field. He's your insurance policy. That if injuries happen, you've got a guy that's been there, done that. That's not going to embarrass you. But he's not going to ever have a chance to actually sniff the starting. I mean, I, we heard the interviews when he came into the station about how he still wants to, you know, he's going into it thinking he's got a chance. He, I guess he's the only one. Yeah, I mean, you're going to say the right things. Uh, I I think the case deep down knows that he was brought in here to groom the number two pick at the NFL draft. Just, I mean, Case has been doing that his last few stops. Last year, he was the understudy to Josh Allen to make him see the game better. He did it with Baker Mayfield. Like, it, that's, where, that's where Case Keenum's at in his career. And it's a good... It's a good one great to have. It's a good a gig if you can it's, get it. It's a great gig. If you think better than selling $40 million. Yeah, looking at what, what you do in phase two, you're still collecting pretty good money just yeah. to, to, to be a big brother. I think we're going to see both of them, Davis Mills and C.J. Stroud, play with the number ones. Is there anything, can I sell to you at all? And I don't even believe this, but for the sake of the conversation, is there any sense at all that you want to protect C.J. Stroud by not throwing him out there right away, week one? The whole None Steve McNair, no, Chris got, Chandler no, no. thing. You're supposed to have a better than average offensive line. You're supposed to. You should, actually. Right? Not, you're not supposed to. you better, okay. actually. Well, so that's the reason why I'm like not worried about you know another guy getting David Card. I think that you throw him out there from week one because you're giving him enough that you shouldn't expect that he has his head ripped off and that every time he gets the, the, the snap from the center, he's head on a swivel already dodging defenders. I think that there's enough there with that offensive line alone and you can point to the skill position players and say the receivers might not be as good as you'd like. But overall, because of the offensive line, there's no reason not to have them out there week one. Yeah. I mean, could Davis Mills be your Chris Chandler and C.J. Stroud be your Steve McNair? Steve McNair was from Alcorn State. Like, that was a huge jump. 
behind a team and off well the team was I mean I don't know how much better the Oilers and the Texans were relative to these situations but the offensive line should be better for the Texans than you know what we've seen with the Texans for 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 a long time because you have Laramie you drafted Titus in the first you spent some money um on Laramie uh, you spent the trade capital on Shaq Mason spent some money there you drafted Juice Scruggs all the offensive line should be good I am I'm team play C.J. Stroud from week one. Lamont says C.J. could have still participated in camp. He would have to sign a waiver. I read today that that's not the case in training camp. I'll, I'll look during the break to see if that is true. But I was reading today about the whole C.J. Stroud, the holdup. Could he participate in camp even if he didn't sign a deal? From what I understood, what I read, Stroud would not have been able to participate in training camp. It's different for rookie minicamp. It's different from like OTAs. Training camp, you have to have a deal done is my understanding. I'll try to double check that. I think there's a waiver they can sign, but it's such a bad idea to do it where I think that the, the liability of the injury leaves the Texans and it goes only to the player so basically. you would never do it if you're a player yeah this says right here unsigned draft picks are permitted to take part in offseason activities by signing a waiver they cannot participate in training camp without a signed deal I think minicamp OTAs, rookie camp, all that. I don't I don't think training camp you can. But whatever. C.J. Stroud has the contract. C.J. Stroud will be out there Wednesday. And I think that Branham's going to be out there on Wednesday as well, if I can get away. 713-780-ESPN. Do you have hot takes about C.J. Stroud? We got C.J. Stroud also prematurely ended our conversation about yeah, the Astros. The bad did. and the ugly. So we'll get back to that as well. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the best sports radio station in Houston. I've got to prove that I'm the best, and I'm racing no matter what you tell me. Huh? Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Good, bad, and ugly from the uh, from the Astros weekend. Uh, no one, no one has hot CJ Stroud takes about signing the extension. This this was housekeeping. Like they, yeah. they, they two days before training camp, he wanted a hundred percent of his signing bonus up front instead of spread out over four months. Things like that. that that's why these rookie that Bryce Young didn't get a deal done until last week. This is no, no hot takes about Mulligetta. I can understand why you would have him. I really do. But this is all housekeeping to make sure that CJ Stroud gets all of his money up front. I don't want to get too out in the weeds and like negotiations and contracts, but if you're Casario, why not just like the day that his opening window of signing him comes into play? Why not be like, okay, on this day, we're going to sign you. We're going to spread it out between now and training camp because ultimately it would have been the same exact thing, but whatever, whatever. It's, it's housekeeping. CJ Stroud will be there on Wednesday. How much of the snaps, how many of the snaps of the first team does he get? All right. What bad and uglies did we, uh, do we not get to with the Astros over the weekend? Blank. Well, the ugly for me. It just, I don't know if it starts and ends because, I, you know, I already said the bad was the offense. The ugly to me is Jerry, Jeremy Pena. You know, I've been sticking up for him, and I've been saying, you know, this is more of what I expected, but not to this level of lows, but I expected to fall off from the playoffs a year ago, and I think that was realistic and, and natural to do that, but not for Astros fans. But now Astros fans that have been fired up more and more with every passing game about Dubon, you know, getting on the Ocho train and saying Dubon should be starting at shortstop. And I'm like, come on, man, slow your roll. He's still an above-average defender, and he'll figure it out. Yeah, he struggles mightily with breaking pitches, and it's frustrating as hell. But it's getting worse, and he's and now you can tell he's in his own head. And then even with the hit-and-run situation, 
You could see him glaring back at Dubon coming back from the bases. You know, you still could have tried to make something out of that play, even though you know he missed the sign and either kept running. But it looked like he just pulled the plug immediately and was like, I'm done. And it just seems like it's all having an effect on him and then being moved down further and further in the lineup. So my bad right now is Jeremy Pena, and you just hope that he can he can kind of start to snap out of it. I agree with 99% of what you said. I can't give him any grief on the missed hit and run. Like he tried to get into a rundown, it was missed. He was gonna get. He was dead meat at second base. Like, what what is he supposed to do there? But everything else, I'm with. Yeah, I, I just think you didn't have to pull the shoot completely, right? I know I you're, waiting, you're waiting on contact, but you still he still got off the base fairly well. That you could have just tried to make it a straight steal and had a better chance than See, just basically pulling up. I think there was a better chance for him to beat a rundown than get to still second. But either at least, way, either way, the percentages weren't great, so I get it. Yeah, like that's. All of the other criticisms I think are fair. So, like I'm blaming Dubon on missing a sign more than I'm blaming Pena. But then Dubon I'm glad hits that Dubon the g- owned it. Yeah. And, yeah. Then he, and then he hit the game winning home. You know what I was so looking it's hard for? to be upset with Dubon. I was looking for when Dubon went to the dugout. Like, where's Pena? Are they going to already high yeah. five? Or they, and then he, he, he initially, Pena wasn't around. Yep. And then Dubon went and sat next to him. And I think that's when he said, my bad, I missed it. And then after they got the third out in the bottom of the ninth, they had that huge hug after yeah. behind second base. Yeah. So, like, Which is good on them. It's hard, to, it's hard to be up. Like, you could say Dubon was bad for missing the hit and run, but it worked out okay. So, so that was good. Uh, Pena has struggled. I remember last year, towards the end of the season, though, remember Pena went through a huge slump. Pena was was really reeling, and then Dusty moved him up to the second spot in front of Jordan Alvarez, and that's when he got going. That's when he started clicking. That's whenever the ALCS MVP Pena showed up, uh, the World Series MVP Pena showed up. So I'm curious if, knock on wood, if the Astros get Jordan back today, soon, if he tries to get Pena going again by hitting him in front of Joran Alvarez, I'm very intrigued to see if Dusty Baker plays that card again because Pena is reeling. Pena is struggling. Um, in, like he's, He has not made any improvements either at that breaking ball off the outside part of the plate. Like, just spit on it. Just don't yeah. swing. Don't, know, even, it, don't even try to make contact. Don't swing. It's one thing to say every now and then as he was getting more and more acclimated with Major League Baseball, he struggled with the breaking pitch. It's now to the point where it's getting to be a big concern. Like, he's got to be able to figure it out. Either, like you said, spit on it, lay off of it, or figure out a way to where you shorten your swing enough to where you can at least, at all costs, at least knock it into the ground foul or make contact. But better yet, maybe take it to the take it to right field a little bit, short swing, and not looking to do too much with it other than throw it out there on the right side and get more results. But these... Bad swings yep. are just flailing away, and just it, it, it's a bad look. And he's not he's not like very selective either. So like even if he had a lot of swing and miss and strikeouts, if he walked a good amount, then it's like okay, well at least he's got a really good on base percentage. He, he doesn't really walk a lot either. So he strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk very much. Maybe you are not half a risk and you know bat behind him and figure it all out. We'll have to we'll have to see. Dusty Baker. Deserves a lot of praise. Dusty Baker, you know, we just talked about how he got Jeremy Pena going last year by hitting him second. Before Jeremy Pena, there was a Yuli Gurriel. He won a World Series last year. The Astros have positioned themselves pretty nicely despite only having 13 games with Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve. In Dusty, we trust him. We know this. Dusty deserves respect. He's earned some respect in this city for winning the World Series with the Astros last year. Why is Bly Madrid sitting in front of Yiner Diaz and Chaz McCormick yesterday? Why are we trying to make Fetch happen? Why are we trying to make Bly happen? Like, get him a start. Okay, whatever. But why in the world is he batting in front of the American League Player of the Week and in front of Yiner Diaz, one of your best power guys in your lineup? What's, what's, what's up with that? Why is he on the roster? 
Because everybody's hurt. Yeah, when I, I mean, mean Singleton's down there yeah. in tank shots. Right, but he's on we the forty one. man. Like I cool bye Bly Madrid. I would DFA Bly and bring back Singleton, but you're also getting Jordan back, and it's probably going to be Bly that you send down. So I, I I can understand why Bly's on the on the active roster and John Singleton's not. I can understand it. Would I do it? Probably not, but I can understand it. What I cannot understand though is how Bly Madrid is batting in the batting order ahead of the American League Player of the Week. It makes zero sense. What's it, going it, on? That's why as much as everybody gives Dusty the benefit of the doubt because of what he's, his, he's done in the past and his accomplishments of a year ago here, <laughs> you got to call it like you see it. And these lineups have been atrocious lately, and it's more of Dusty's going to Dusty, and he doesn't give a rat's ass what you think. I think he, he does doesn't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> right, and I think sometimes it's basically like, oh, you got thoughts? So do I. Watch me do this and not care at all about what you think. It's amazing. Like I saw that lineup yesterday, and I was mostly off Twitter yesterday because I DVR'd the British Open, and I was watching that, and I DVR'd the Astros and watched that last night. So I didn't really get on Twitter much yesterday. But I, I saw that lineup. On X. I saw that That's lineup. That's right. What's that? It's on X. What That's do you mean? the new oh, logo. I, I saw that today. Yeah. I did it's see X.com. That today. Is it X.com? If you go to X.com, it redirects to Twitter. And when you go to Twitter for the first time on uh, the day, the logo is full screen, pops up right there before it goes to Twitter. Who trolls more? Elon with the population of Twitter or Dusty with the population Elon. of Astro fans? Elon. <laughs> Elon I don't yep. know. I think so. Would Elon bat Bly Madris ahead of Chaz McCormick and Yiner Diaz? Elon, he might charge him eight bucks for the spot. Elon Maybe. Musk literally just made it so his platform, when you put out a video, is called an X video, which is a website that men often go to. How do you know this? Because it's duh. That's, it's, it, it does not the answer, Joe. How do you know? Okay. Is that is that an obvious thing though between Elon and Dusty? Are we sure that Elon trolls more than Dusty? Yes, Elon. Is I don't like think the Elon ultimate. would bat Bly ahead. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy, I think technically we're not sure. Sure, I don't know, but we I'd, could be pretty sure. I'd like to think that the guy behind Tesla and SpaceX and has millions and billions of dollars. Wouldn't bat blind Madrid ahead of Chas McCormick and Yiner Diaz? Maybe yeah, he I'm might crazy. Bat him in front of Kyle Tucker, I don't know that he would. I think Elon would. Does like does Elon do a lot of suboptimal things? Like I, he gets bashed for the subscription, but that's brought in millions of dollars to Twitter that they didn't have before. Yeah, but that's I optimal. Think he's just a giant that's troll. Opti- I think so too. But is Dusty not? No. Yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my only other bad slash ugly is because the offense sucked, you had to use way too much of these guys who have pitched a lot. Saw a lot of Presley, Abreu, Naris this weekend. Yeah. That I just would have preferred, you know, beat the crap out of the A's. They're not good baseball team. So beat them by six runs and give me, like, a lot of Seth Martinez. The offense, though. No, no. So the offense, because the offense flopped, you had to use your leverage guys way too much. You know, four guys who are in the top ten and appearances in baseball, they pitched way too much for when you're playing the A's. This like, is whenever you can buy them some time. And, 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 and Joel, the short order cook, shouldn't be out there. Well, he gone. Yeah, he, he gone. got. He got. Yeah, uh, he, never to be seen again. Opted down. I well, don't need to see him again. I mean, they brought Parker Mashinsky. <laughs> like, right. It's kind of again, the same guy, guy no except to, he throws yeah, with the yeah, other yeah. hand. And no need to see him either. Are you gonna? I, I hate it, but I know for the short term they're still trying to figure it out. But again, this is why the trade deadline is so important. These are why moves need to be made. And I need Dana Brown to make multiple moves because I'm not as confident as I've been in the past or even in this year when you and I were talking about it. If they stood pat, would you still feel – I'm starting to change my opinion a little bit more about the fact that they have to make one 
And I'd prefer at least two moves at the deadline to I want strengthen three. this team. I want three a- would be ideal, right? And I want Brad Hand. I would like to see. I want. I want a lefty, and I think Hands' numbers away from Coors are are in the threes. I think he's been been there, done that as a really reliable pitcher. His contract is nothing to have to worry about. I think it's either a team option at seven mil for next year, but for the rest of this season, That's a lot. Yeah, if you want to pick that up, you don't have to. Yeah. But you can get him as a rental, and he's better than what you got in the bullpen. He's better than Parker Mashinsky. Like, if that's the only move that you can make, then okay. Like, if you missed out on all these other guys, Hand wouldn't be near the top of my list, but Hand's an improvement. Hand's an upgrade over Parker I think he, I'm just looking at it from a guy that can get the job done that's cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't value lefties all that much anymore, but I think it's a luxury. Not a necessity, but again, he's an upgrade over Parker Mashinsky and Joel and all His these. road numbers are, are in the low to mid threes. He's, I mean, that's kind of meh for a reliever, but it's better than Parker He's also Mashinsky. on the Rockies. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and his numbers at Coors are awful, but I just think the Rockies aren't going to have a whole lot of intent, intensity towards keeping him. Probably not. And you could probably get him for a song, and he could definitely help you more than he's helping them. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate that. Uh, he wouldn't be near the top of my list, I but I, I don't. I don't, certainly don't hate it. He's yeah. an upgrade over Parker Masinski. Uh, Sixty ninety one. I said it before, and you didn't believe me about missing our pitching coach. He knew how to tweak each pitcher to get the max out of them. The reason we have the number two ERA is because of talent. Look, I think Murphy and Miller are good. The Astros have a three seventy three ERA, which is third in all of baseball. I think Miller and Murphy are doing just fine, and I don't think that this Astros pitching rotation has a. Like, huge amount of talent. Fromber's great, right? But is this pitching rotation as good as it was last year? As it was whenever you had Gary Cole and Justin Verlander? As good as some of these rotations that Strom had? Like, they're not missing They're not missing Strom. Miller and Murphy have been very good. The Astros had a really good team pitching staff ERA last year. They're amongst the top three in baseball this year. They don't miss Brent Strom. I love Brent Strom, but they don't miss Brent Strom. No, I, I agree with you. I think that... Look, I, there were times and, and individual cases where you could say Brent Strom really helped someone. But at the same time, you know what helped you the most is a general manager that can identify enough arm talent with, with enough potential that a lot of pitching coaches, if you get them in the right situation, can work with them and, and kind of tap into that and make them better than what they were, especially on bad teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, everybody's going to always tip their cap and give their props to what Brent Strom was able to do. Good pitching coaches can do what Brent Strom did, too. Miller and Murphy have been just fine. Uh, Jordan Alvarez should be back today, right? What do we think is going to happen now that Jordan Alvarez is back? Is this team going to start winning? What are some of the roster moves? Who's going to play in the lineup? And also, you got to credit Dusty Baker for having this team have the record that they had with Jordan Alvarez away. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. I don't get it.